Did you know we've got a couple more championship banners to hang up in Stillwater America? And uh, somebody's going to rush for over 200 yards in Lawrence this Saturday. Question is, is it going to be Spencer Sanders? Or is Spencer Sanders even healthy enough to play? Whether he does or doesn't play. What do you think he will be most remembered for for his time here in Stillwater, America after he's gone? All of this and more right about now. Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl related. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to think about Spencer Sanders, guys. Um, I'm curious, so you know, I obviously I'm going to give my opinion, but I do want to hear y'all's opinion. So please make sure that you follow me at all day state on Twitter at all day. O State on Twitter, as well as All Day O State on Facebook. All Day O State on Facebook, same thing, just flipped. Um, and and give me some some comments and give me some of your guys' opinion on how you will remember Spencer Sanders for his time in Stillwater after he's gone. I say that because with the way this season is shaken down the tree, I don't see him going anywhere next year, y'all. The season that he was having, the first six games, yes, it looked like Spencer Sanders was probably probably going to take his talents somewhere else. Uh, not necessarily transfer, I mean, I meant NFL. But with the way this latter half of the season's gone, I don't know if he leaves. He came back to win a Big 12 title, Right. He didn't care about records or any of that fun jazz, which is amazing that he is that wonderful of a, of a, of a young man. But unless K-State slips and falls and trips on their face, the chance of, a, of us playing for the Big 12 title look fairly slim right now. Uh, now, the Big 12 is a gauntlet. It is loaded. K-State does have a couple more Pretty difficult games ahead, so it's not completely out of the woodwork. But this is also contingent upon us winning out. And can we win out with a broken Spencer Sanders? No, we can't. It's just it's evident that it's not going to happen with a broken Spencer Sanders. Can it happen with a healthy Gunnar Gundy? Who knows, right? No, nobody knows. And if you're judging him shaking... During the KU or the the last game, as an indication on his success for this KU game, I don't think that's fair to the kid. Guys, he is a kid that was told by his dad to sit out a year, not play football, just be a student, just go to class, work on your body, work on your speed, work on your IQ of the playbook, and so on and so forth. He's gonna be ready. Gunner Gundy is ready. Is he? you know, going to be somebody that shocks the world with, with talent? Who knows? We don't know, right? And maybe it's time we do know. We've been talking about Spencer being injured for a few weeks now. This has been documented. And you can see that even even the Texas game, you know, the parts they look good. Where did he not look good? His deep routes. 
You know, his deep balls have been short by five, six, seven, eight yards for a few games in a row now. So even though he's a beast, he's a boss, he's a gamer, he's clearly not clicking on all cylinders health-wise. So at what point do you become the CEO that steps in and, and, and for his health and his future and for the team, just, you know, try to come up with a different game plan? I don't know the answer to that question. We've speculated for a while. I've got some some sources that 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 give some information, but you know, as we already know by now, even if Spencer Sanders doesn't take a single snap or pick up a clipboard one time during the week, he's still capable and able able to start on Saturdays. So even if Gunnar Gundy takes ninety nine point nine percent of all the plays and snaps, it doesn't mean he's going to play. So. I, the speculation on when we're going to see Gunnar Gundy, it just, we're not going to know until we know. I, Gundy's pretty, being pretty clear about that at this very moment. Um, I think Spencer Sanders is top three in O-State history. Is he the best? No. Is he the second best? In my opinion, no. Is he third? <clears throat> I don't know. I really, I mean, probably yes. Probably yes. I'm a big Zach Robinson fan. Um, and I do think that he's a, a prodigal son that hopefully will return home someday. So it, it's hard for me to push out Zach Robinson to put in Spencer Sanders because I think Zach Robinson did more with less. You know what I mean? Now he had Des Bryant and he had, you know, Kendall Hunter. So he had some talent. I'm not saying that he's devoid of it, but collectively we didn't have anywhere near not even the same hemisphere or too deep as we have now um we didn't have the overabundance of weapons at wide receiver then as we do now so you know i just yeah spencer sanders record wise is going to be better he's going to put up more yards probably have more passing yards more touchdowns all that fun jazz but to me the debate between him and zach robinson is a good one and it's a fair one. Even though Spencer's won more games and had more success uh, on the wins and loss column than Zach Robinson did, I don't necessarily think that means he's better than Zach Robinson. I'm curious as to what you guys think. What is your opinion? You tell me. Would you put Spencer Sanders above Zach Robinson? Would you even put Spencer Sanders above Brandon Whedon? Like, I'm honestly curious to hear you Guys' opinion. Because social media is social media. Some of those people on social media don't know a whole lot about Oklahoma State, right? Therefore, their opinions are slightly irrelevant. But if you guys are tuning in every day to catch all of the best O-State updates, it's for a reason. It's because you care about O-State. You have knowledge of O-State. And I want your opinion. I want you to let me know. Your thoughts on whether him or Zach Robinson deserves that number three spot, uh, or if I'm wrong and he deserves the one spot. I would love to hear uh, your guys' input on that. All right. If you hire the right people, none of this matters. And these days, every new potential hire can you know, feel like a, a high-stakes gamble or a wager, right, for the success of your small business. That's exactly why... LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right person for your team faster and faux free. Remix faux free. Yeah, I said that twice. So right now, help yourself post your job for free at LinkedIn.com 
promo code locked on college. That is linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions obviously do apply, but get yourself prepared to hire the best candidates for the best price of free three times a lady. All right. So, yeah, uh, let's dive into some of the stats side of things, okay? Um, I, I am curious to hear your, your opinions on the Spencer Sanders thing. But let's break down some of this KU game. If you look statistically, this is almost a mirror image of each other. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are comparing ourselves late, deep into the season to the Kansas Jayhawks football team, statistically, and being even in a lot of areas. That's that's where we are. So when I say that, it almost makes you want to be thankful that we only have two losses, right? And you you would be right in thinking that because a, a little rule of thumb, right, in almost anything is if you're giving up more than you can produce, that's not good, right? So... What areas can we exploit? I don't know. I really don't know. Because their struggle, KU on defense, their struggle is in the passing game. They're giving them almost 2,300 yards in passing. While only throwing for 1855. So they're under 1,900 yards of production passing while giving up almost 2,300 yards production passing. It's not good. Are we going to be able to exploit their their weaknesses in the secondary, especially with their top corner, Kobe Bryant, being out with that horrific injury? I don't know. I guess that really depends on who's a quarterback, or does it? Because even if Spencer Sanders is playing, is he capable of making the throws in tight windows on a consistent basis to exploit some of their secondary issues? I don't think so. Is Gunnar Gundy good enough to hit all those windows and be able to exploit the secondary we don't know, right? We just, we don't know. And because he's my Gundy's son, and because he's classified as a walk-on, Gunnar Gundy catches a lot of unnecessary flack, guys. The kid was pretty highly recruited by a couple big-time Big 12 schools, and as, as well as you know other schools across the Midwest and the country. But he didn't get a lot of publicity. He didn't get a lot of love. He didn't go to camps. He didn't do all that stuff. So everybody just assumed he wanted to go to O-State, which he did. His dream was to play under his dad. And then, like we said, you know, his dad, you know, makes him earn it, makes him prove it, makes him sit out a year and just be a student, get faster, get stronger, get bigger, get, get more acquainted with the playbook and the nuances of what uh, his dad prefers. Um, and... We just haven't seen it on the field yet. I don't think that I don't think that it's gonna be a bad of a of a performance as people are, are scared of. Yeah, him shaking during the K-State games, not a good look. Okay. But look at the situation he was put in during that game. It was terrible. It was a terrible time. And maybe just maybe if the preparation for the entire week is for Gunnar Gundy, then everything looks entirely different. Now you'd like to say this is the game that we finally hit that 200-250 rushing mark. Because we've got to we've got to run the ball more. We've got to find a way to run the ball more. 
Um, and and I, I don't know how that's going to happen because Ollie Gordon looks like a man possessed, but he didn't get enough carries. Jaden Nixon is seems to be the only running back that can squirt free and bust big ones, but he didn't get enough carries. Uh, DeAndre Jackson looks like to be another bruiser that runs like a man possessed who's on a mission. Um, so we've got another Dominic Richardson, but he doesn't get enough carries. And Dominic Richardson has been proven to be a little underwhelming in finding the right cutback lanes. But if he's healthy, he's starting, right? There's no, there's no question about it. Is he our best running back? Who knows? It doesn't look like it. But... We don't know as a fan base because we're we're just we're all over the all over the place with our running game. And they have a pretty good uh, run run defense. And they have Lonnie Phelps, who's over six sacks. Like, that's somebody you got a key on. That's somebody on the scout team in a different color jersey. Because you have to prepare for that guy. You know? And you think that if you look just strength on strength, that our D-line is better than their their D-line. And our D-line is better than their O-line. Is our O-line better than their D-line? No. Not at all. It just... It just... Our O-line, D-line have been an issue, guys. O-line's been an issue for a long time. We covered that yesterday, right? Uh, D-line should not be an issue. So why is it an issue? Xavier Benson is more than capable of filling enough gaps for you to be productive. Mason Cobb, who's leading the team in tackles, is more than capable of filling the gaps for you to be productive. Right? Guys, he's at like 69, 70 tackles. Mason Cobb is. He's filling in nicely for Malcolm Rodriguez. Xavier Benson's uh, hovering the 50 tackles range. I think he's at 48, 49. Um, So he's a, a viable replacement currently for Devin Harper. That is not the reason our D-line is not producing, right? Earlier in the season, it was uh, offenses getting the ball out so fast that our defensive line couldn't do anything. Well, that's not it against K-State. K-State, we just got manhandled. We got thrown around. We got used and abused uh, like we were redheaded stepchildren. With all that NFL talent, why? Why, why, why? Right? For the the first half of the season, it looked like – Selfishness, for lack of a better term. Not that they were being, you know, overly selfish. Just to, instead of bending two yards this way or cutting two yards this way or shading three inches different this way, they, they, they maybe wouldn't do that because they thought they had an easier path to a sack or something to that effect. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, do we have a Lonnie Phelps with one sack? No. But Brock Martin, who's been hurt for the last couple games, he's got three sacks. Tyler Lacey's got three sacks. Ben Kapinski's got three sacks. Colin Oliver's got three sacks. Mason Cobb's got two or three sacks. Like, this is, we're spreading it out, which makes it maybe look, you know, a little less productive. But even in watching the film, guys, our D-line's just not winning battles. Our linebackers are filling enough gaps and stretching out plays long enough to allow them to shed tackles it's just not happening. We're not we're not shedding blockers. Um, and when we when we do, it's so few and far between. We're losing contain. It's just we just seem out of sorts, right? Um, if you heard that we were last in the Big Twelve and total defense, that's true. If you heard that we were 119th of America and total defense, that's also true. 
Um, but KU's 114th in total defense. So they're obviously pretty horrendous as well, giving up uh, 439 yards or points. Sorry, 439 points. And, and we're giving up like 455. So defensively, you would think that, okay, okay, this is two bad uh, defenses against two good offenses without their starting quarterback. So we should have some things to exploit. Well, maybe if we're talking about a healthy Spencer Sanders that can that can hit those those windows uh, to put pressure on a defense, even when they are uh, in in zone dropping eight. You know, if you're Lance Leipold and you've had an extra week of preparation and you just watched what happened uh, against Kansas State, you know you would you would maybe want to shut down the the pass. Right, because it seemed to be what we, we relied upon the most against K State. Well, would you do that as Lance Leipold if you have no idea whether Spencer Sanders is even going to play? And if he does play, you know he's not the same player, so you don't need to run a shell defense for much of any of the game because you know Spencer Sanders can't really chunk it deep right now. It's just there's a lot for KU to to filter through because OSU right now we're a very confusing bunch. Um, could that be a blessing in disguise? Yeah, <laughs> maybe with an extra week to prepare. Hopefully they prepare for the wrong thing. Hopefully they prepare for Spencer Sanders, kind of like we prepared for Adrian Martinez. And then hopefully when Spencer Sanders maybe doesn't play, they seem so out of sorts that they can't get stuff fixed while Gunner Gunny's throwing it all over the yard. Maybe, maybe that's what happens. That would be nice, wouldn't it? To have the, the script completely flipped all the way around for this game. That would be magical. But if you are Lance Leipold, you know, what do you do? You drop eight and, and you try to make us run the ball? I would say so. Make us run the ball. Make us prove that we can run the ball. That's what I would do if I'm Lance Leipold with an extra week of preparation. You know, it's just, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be close. Statistically, there's a lot of things that are very even. Right? Just like the total defense. Well, and defensive efficiency. They're 87th in the country. We're 88th in the country. <laughs> points per play. Uh, we're 33rd in the country. They're number five in the country in points per play. So that that's, I think that might be something to pay attention to. And when I say it might be something to pay attention to, I'm saying it'll be something to pay attention to. Because combined with that, Oklahoma State University is giving up 96.3% of red zone production. Our red zone defense is horrendous. Our total defense looks horrendous. But, guys, stats do tell the truth a large portion of the time. There are some situations where stats don't always tell the case. Um, like, we are still number six in America in third down defense. Well, that's why teams go for it on fourth down all the time against us. It's because we are really good on third down, whether that be just, you know, athlete or preparation or, or production. That's something we're good at. We're still top 10 in America in tackles for loss. So we're good at getting some penetration, right? Have we had some missed tackles? Yes. Has the defensive line helped out with that? <sighs> kind of enough? No. Should Mason Cobb be leading the team of tackles? Yes, he should at 69. Should 
Xavier Benson be right behind him, uh, touching that 50 range? Yes, he should. Should Jason Taylor the second be number two on the team with 54, 55 tackles? Absolutely not. That means you have a deficiency somewhere, and we're not correcting it. We're not fixing it. We're not adjusting it. This is an odd place to be as a Cowboy fan. Adjustments the last few years have been our calling card, right? That's why Jim Knowles is getting paid the big boy money. It's because his, his, his ability to make adjustments. Do I think he's head and shoulders better than Derek Mason as a defensive coordinator? I don't think so. I don't think so. Is there some things that, that Derek Mason needs to correct? Absolutely. Like Nobody would tell you otherwise. Just like nobody would tell you right now is a bad time to download the Upside app. Because putting gas in your car, unfortunately, is, is something that's a necessity that ain't going to go away anytime soon. So why don't you do yourself a favor, use Locked On Code to get yourself $5 back on your first $10 or more purchase from the Upside app that you can now download for free. Use promo code Locked On to get that $5 back on your first $10 or more purchase but definitely, definitely download the Upside app for free to help yourself save on fuel cost. It's huge. I use it. It is actually extremely helpful. Um, so it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big blessing. You should download it and figure it out for yourselves. Yeah. Yeah, guys, I just it's, it's hard to pinpoint this. Our red zone defense is terrible, but our third down defense is amazing. Our... Uh, Total overall defense is terrible, but we're still top 10 in the country and tackles for loss. So some things are working. We're just not getting that overall product. And it's going to be interesting this week to see how we adjust that. Because, guys, the their wide receiver core is not bad. I mean, it's kind of the, the storylines for the top receivers are pretty cool. Uh, Braden Johnson obviously come back from major injury. He was told he, he may never play football again. Uh, on the flip side, their top receiver right now is a former walk-on that had to end up earning a scholarship. A walk-on at KU. Could you imagine how overlooked that guy was? And this is, again, he walked on at KU a couple years ago when KU was designated as terrible. So, that Lawrence Arnold is a cool story, just like Braden Johnson is. Uh, Luke Grimm reminds me a lot of a uh, Drake Drake Stoops type. Um Quentin Skinner's pretty pretty good body. Mason Fairchild's made some pretty big time catches for him. <clears throat> Are they better than our wide receivers? No. Do they make as many mistakes as our wide receivers? That's debatable. That that one's that one's debatable. Most of the time, our wide receiver core looks like uh you know the next coming of wide receiver you, and then they've had two games this year where they just don't look like they know what the heck they're doing. And that's our two losses, TCU and K-State. Now, TCU, well, that's Gundy's fault. That's 100% Gundy's fault. No, no, please, 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 let's just let that be a fact and, and, and understand that. But K-State was not Gundy's fault. Gundy tried to adjust practice based off of injuries. Should he have done it the way he did it? No. But do you know that going into it? No. Would he have done it thinking it was going to be that negative? No. So... So as much as I give Gundy a hard time for getting too many passes, I will say that this is an instance that I don't think I don't think the blame's on Gundy for this one, right? This was just a collective effort of not getting it done, 
And it's what something's got to give every single game. We'll break down more of what's got to give tomorrow. But I, I'll give you a little sneak, sneak peek of what maybe needs to give. The points per play has to be something that we look into this time. I'll leave that little nugget for tomorrow. Uh, we do have some more stuff to break down tomorrow. Uh, today, I did want to finish off with some more uh, uh, good news. To start off with the bad news, of course, uh, Calgary soccer. Colin Carmichael is the greatest soccer coach ever at Oklahoma State. Now, we haven't had that sport for forever, and we don't have it in men's. But nonetheless, he's the first legitimate coach that we've had at Oklahoma State women's soccer. And he's been very productive. And he's, he's, he's won Big 12 title. He's played for multiple titles. He's made big runs in NCAA. He's a keeper. We start off the season so hot. And then we ended up 14-4-4, uh, four and four, right? So not a terrible overall record. The four ties, some of the ties really, really hurt more than the losses, ironically enough. But what you cannot do is you cannot fall to an almost 500 West Virginia squad in the semifinals of the Big 12 championships, which we did. We should have been playing for Big 12 title and women's soccer. Well, that ain't going to happen. So that's, that's, that's a little disappointing. Not going to be honest. Um, or I'm say, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to lie. That's a little disappointing. Leaves a lot to be desired, but JC Hoyt, uh, gets to start her new time in Galgrab Arena as the women's basketball head coach as we take on Northwestern State in exhibition tonight. So, um, we'll be able to cover a little bit more of that and we'll see how her first game as the Calgirl head coach. Uh, takes off. Even though it's an exhibition, it will still still tell us some things, right? Cowgirl softball, congratulations. They went a perfect, undefeated, 8-0 on the fall season. Uh, they had one of the top classes in program history, one of the top classes in all, all of the country, definitely all of the Big 12. Is this the year we get over the Norman hurdle? Guys, the Alabama of softball resides down the road Norman. What Kenny Gajewski has rebuilt in Stillwater America is beautiful. I watch almost as much softball as I do baseball nowadays, which is something I would have never, ever, ever said would ever come out of my mouth my entire life. But it's true. They're, they're exciting. They're fun to watch. The transfers we've brought in are going to be helpful. The recruiting class is massive. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a fun year. But the question always, always lies in Norman. We've beat him a couple times over the last couple years, but we can't win the series and we can't win the Big 12 title because the king of the mountaintop for all of softball is in Norman, Oklahoma. So we're having to chop down the tree of the giant in our own backyard. Can we beat everybody else in the country? Heck yes. Can we beat OU? Yes. Can we string enough wins together for it to mean a series or a Big 12 title? That's that's the... That's the part that, uh, yeah, seems to be where we're, we're a little bit confused on. Um, and then, ladies and gentlemen, congratulations to your Cowboy and Cowgirl cross-country teams as they both took home Big 12 titles. Uh, this is the cons third consecutive Big 12 title for the men's team, and it's only the second time uh, that it's been repeated uh, and that was Ohio, uh, Iowa State, sorry, in 2017. <clears throat> so good job to them. The individual 
title winner of the Big 12 is Oklahoma State, Alex Mayer. So, yours truly won the Big 12 title. Second place, another Cowboy, Rory Leonard. Uh, and then, if you don't know who Isaiah Rodriguez is, well, the name probably sounds familiar. If you follow track and cross country, it's because he was very, very, very sought after a kid coming out of Ringwood, Oklahoma. My Uncle Larry lives in Ringwood. If you're listening, Uncle Larry, cello. Uh, but yeah, he was a big time get for us, for, especially for the sport of cross country. But the name might sound familiar because he was the kid that was in the car when AJ Ferrari got in that wreck on the highway and, and Casey Dunn was there to help pull him out of the vehicle. So I believe he registered last year due to that, that car wreck and injury. So I, I'm pretty sure he's a redshirt freshman, but he got fifth in his first ever Big 12 title race. So he's going to be a good one. Uh, good job on the men's team for bringing home the title. Third title in a row. At, I love it. Women's. Same, same thing, guys. Not only did we win the Big 12 title, but we also won it with almost the number one finisher. Taylor Rowe finished second, just off of the lead. Um, she's had a, a phenomenal season. We had two freshmen right after her, so you know that the, the women's side of cross country is looking really good for the future. Um, it was the third Big 12 title for Cowgirl women in the last four years, and it was the best points total since 1997. Colorado... 1997 women's cross country team was the last time uh, somebody scored under 23 points. And and kind of like golf, cross country, the lower the points, the better. But, any boohoo, ladies and gentlemen. Tomorrow we'll dive into more of the, the injury news. There are some injury updates. Uh, should we be super concerned? I don't know, super concerned. Is it concerning? Yes. But we'll break down some of that tomorrow. We'll go over some of the position battles tomorrow and what to, to look out precisely for when it comes to head to head matchups. Until then, God bless. Go Pokes. Thank you for stopping by your source for all things Cowboy and Cowgirl related. Locked on Oklahoma State. See you tomorrow, y'all.